0: Tired of tribalism? Welcome to the Adama Antidote podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to a new edition of the Adama Antidote. Um, The Adama Antidote is an antidote to some of the things that are out there which are not really that helpful. Um, The culture wars, the lack of civility in society, the scapegoating of minorities, um, so we're here to provide a little bit of an alternative to that, an antidote to those problems in society. And we do that by chatting, by meeting new people and by uh, hopefully hopefully opening our minds and your minds uh, to what's happening, what's happening in, in a positive way all around us and sometimes in a way that's not often seen. Uh, today's guest is a very special contributor, Zufi Deo, is the co-founder of uh, the organization called BizGs, which you may not have heard of, but it uh, works with refugees and asylum seekers uh, in the UK and abroad, uh, aiming really to give them a new life. Um, that's, that's basically the idea, Zufi, isn't it? But uh, I'm sure you can fill us in a little bit more. But to kick things off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because I know you're a busy man. And, uh, you know, how did you get from, uh, you know, how did you get here?
0: Sure, uh, well uh, well thank you uh, first of all for the opportunity to uh, uh, tell the world who we are and what we do uh, so uh, my personally my personal journey is that I left university uh, in the 90s wanting to make a difference in those days we, you had a stark choice either you joined the institutions or a charity and they really been, there, there really wasn't much of a choice that you had everyone was going for amnesty or trying to be a server servant or those kind of things in those days so uh, along the way it being that passion for me to make a difference. state with me. so during my first startup for instance i mean uh, we were uh, organizing uh, human computer interactions so the idea is that i mean it's how you design technology matters more than how good the technology is and that uh, gap between you as an individual and me uh, so you uh, as an individual on the computer that you use that that gap then makes a big difference so how you relate to technology matters a lot more than how efficient the technology is so that gave me a deeper insight into us as as people and why we behave the way we do how we behave the way we do etc and over the years i i've ended up knowledge sharing or working with people who come from a similar mindset which is that humanity does matter uh, provided we have the mechanisms, we uh, we would all be doing something to support humanity at the same time as earn a, a decent living. And uh, so, about 15 years after I graduated, I started my MBA and while I was doing my MBA, there was a professor from Harvard University, who's a top global innovative thinker. And we were all knowledge sharing um, around the 300, uh, $300 day, uh, sorry three hundred dollar house, and the basic concept was that even if we don't succeed at generating the, the concept, a conceptual house for three hundred dollars, uh, if it lowers the price point from thirty thousand to say three thousand dollars, that's still progress. And so, just being in that in mind, and knowledge sharing with people like that gave me uh, influenced how you structure businesses differently. And that stayed with me post MBA. So, after my MBA, um, I i set up a, a meetup group here in London and we would uh, support entrepreneurs over coffee. So, myself, um, our finance director, Jerry, and eight, 10 other professionals will uh, uh, support entrepreneurs here in London for free using the share economy philosophy.
1: But, um, you're, I, what in a way makes you so different? as I understand it, is that that you're taking that knowledge uh, from the world of academics, from the world of business, and offering it to to people who are living in a refugee situation to to better their lives. Absolutely, I mean, so uh,
0: you're absolutely right. I mean, from our point of view is that uh, we a lot of us in this business see the world as, as one place for all of us as people, and that's our starting point. So when we set up business, we wanted it to be very, very sophisticated in terms of applying and using the latest you know, developments in business thought. And
1: I sorry, think people often—I think people often uh, tend to write off refugees, don't they, uh, as though they they are they, kind of hapless and and so on. In fact, I often uh, find myself infuriated at some of the tabloid headlines, which. Which talk about uh, people, you know, moving across the Mediterranean in in pack boats, and the headlines out, and they're using mobile phones as though this was somehow <laughs> somehow a, a sin or a dreadful scandal that, they, that these poor souls who are escaping uh, war and persecution might have a mobile phone.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely right. And I mean, and that's been a key concern here. I mean, what I've uh, found with cheese is that. We have to inform and educate the public as much as the, the for-profit service as well. So uh, we, on just on that specific topic, we work with students coming at uh, this stage coming at Oxford University, but students Kings as well, and they are writing articles about artists who have contributed to our society from a refugee background. People like Freddie Mercury, for instance. I mean, when people, the average person, uh, finds out Freddie Mercury was from a refugee background instantly yeah. changes the perception of refugees and i think that's very important because we are we're not telling the public what to think about refugees what we are highlighting is who refugees actually are and how they contribute to the host societies and once people see that data that science that scientifically validated data it changes their perceptions and they can relate more to the person coming through the Mediterranean to
1: to Europe or to the US or wherever they're going. I think that's so important, isn't it? Because the word itself, refugee, can just become a convenient anonymous tag that you put on a person, and you don't see beyond that. You don't see that behind that tag there is a, an artist, an engineer, a doctor, a mother.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely right. And it's it's in, in some ways it's it is unfortunate, even from a refugee perspective. A lot of the communities that we work with. Don't want to be classed as refugees because of the stigma attached to it but also I mean uh, people historically have felt that way as well so if you look at say Hannah Ardent uh, in the Jewish Chronicles her writings it was very clear that mean the first sentence was we are not refugees even though she's been to three four five different countries and she's been persecuted so and that's going back to the 1930s so uh, historically people mean have shied away from that stigma of being a refugee and it, they don't take kindly to being uh, to being sti- well, stigmatized, but to being labeled as a refugee. They're rather, they, they would treat like a human being and say, okay, you know, I'm here, I want to get on with my life. Just give me help again so I can do it. And uh, quintessentially, that's what the majority of people who are displaced want to do. They just want to get on with their lives.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you see a, a, a growing stigmatization, if you like, of, of people who are, who have come, who have moved, who have been displaced. I'm trying to avoid using the word refugees. Um, okay. those who have who have moved country. you see that there's a growing stigmatization of the a very easy minority for for people in society to target? I think it's,
0: uh, we as a society are much better educated in these matters today than say 15, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, if you look at say, when my father first came to uh, the UK from Pakistan, I mean, he migrated from and Kashmir in 1947 to Pakistan, spent 15 odd years there and then from there moved to the UK. And in those days, I mean, the British government took out to inviting members of the Commonwealth to help reconstruct the UK basically. So, I mean, That situation was very different to I mean, uh, to to what's going on today. Simply because, I mean, people of all generations are much more educated, much more literate in what what's going on in society. Yes, there there's still that bandwagon of I mean, of people who just don't like don't like the concept of people are new arrivals coming to the country, and that I means uh, and through the decades have changed their cloaks, but I mean the mes- the message is roughly the same. Um, but what I'm finding is that this, I mean, the people migration uh, as as a concept isn't going any, uh, isn't going anywhere. It's only going to grow with time. I mean, if you look at, say, drivers like climate change, that mm-hmm. is pushing people out of their homes across the entire world. And we're not just talking about the developing world. We also mean, if you look at, say, Wales, parts of Wales, I mean, uh, is being taken over by the sea and communities there are, are are being affected in the same way as they are being affected in Somalia. So it's it's no longer that this th- these issues are happening out there somewhere, it's happened to us wherever we are in the world today. If you look across the US, it's the same situation as well.
1: Yeah, I, I know that uh, in your work with BizGs, um, you try and bring some of the your expertise and you know, the best thinking in terms of entrepreneurship uh into the lives of displaced people um, can you give us an, an example or two of of the kind of success stories that you've uh, you've witnessed Actually,
0: yourself uh from our point of view is we uh we um as a business we believe that we are helping people become autonomous that means taking yeah. ownership of their own lives and one of the ways we encourage them to do that is through uh, wealth creation and job creation so yeah. the idea is that entrepreneurship as a mechanism is much more widely available across the world today and accepted as a, as a scientific discipline today than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And people aren't doing it out of accident anymore. You can, you can train to be an entrepreneur. It's a skill that you can learn. And then you can then take ownership of your own life in the same way. So we, uh, we teamed up with WSV Global. There are local delivery partners in Northern Uganda. Yeah. they have a presence in uh, cameroon kenya and uganda uh, but we started with one uh, one community in northern uganda that was um, that experienced displacement during the civil war in uganda in the 1980s they're self classed refugees but they don't have the benefits of refugees if there are any so for instance the unhcr won't uh, won't give them a stipend they won't give them uh, the standard support that refu- the new refugees would receive, but they do accept that they have been through that experience. So when we learned that they've fallen through that safety net, we decided to focus on them as a community. And our partners, WSV uh, Global, they uh, specialize in micro-franchises. Uh, so these are small micro-businesses uh, which support blay fire dollar-day communities. And the products and services they organize are offered at a price point that these local communities can afford. So they don't have to take out loans, they don't have to go into debt or credit or etc.
1: So what, do what kind of businesses might these be because it's hard for us to understand people are living in such difficult circumstances, displaced, maybe living in camps, what kind of business could one set up in those circumstances? Uh,
0: the two businesses, the two kinds of businesses uh, we've helped set up so far. One is a solar uh, lamp rental business. So here, for instance, being uh, a, a person for, from that tribe in uh, Northern Uganda received training in routine business mentoring. Um, the inventory was 72 uh, s- solar lamps, small solar lamps, that she would rent out to the local villages. So in the evening, instead of using kerosene oil, they would uh, rent a solar lamp, use uh, use a solar lamp in the evenings and give it back in the morning. Yeah. And if they wanted it again, the, uh, she would recharge it and make it available again in the evening. So that's a very simple way for them to uh, use uh, clean energy uh, as an example. The health benefits are there because, I mean in. T- when you use kerosene oil indoors, the fumes uh, have a negative health impact on the person using them. And it's also better for education uh, because people can um, read better under solar lamp uh, lights that they can do with the flickering of a uh, yeah. oil uh, lamp. Uh, another one is um, uh, recited with sanitary wear for women. So this is for women, by women, with women. And the, the issue here is that you have to educate the entire family unit on why women need sanitary wear. So there's an element of education there as well. And then um, they, uh, they again they receive the training to be entrepreneurs of how to acquire uh, customers, how to service customers, how to retain customers, how to market themselves, but also how to generate the product as well. And uh, the idea is that mean, uh, as they start to scale the business, they employ more people. Into the business, and they can uh, uh, build up their uh, capacity to service. Them. It's, re-
1: it's really interesting to, to to hear about businesses starting in such uh, unlikely circumstances, but it just shows the power of the human spirit to be creative and and so on. It, would you Would you hope to be able to work with? Um, migrants who are arriving in, in Western countries and who suffer the indignity of literally not being allowed to work
0: yeah uh, yep right I mean we mean when we first started the business I mean we were planning on doing exactly that but from our point of view is 80 85 percent of the refugee populations are in the developing world they literally move next door to where they come from so if you're from Syria you go to Jordan or Lebanon or Turkey and mean That's such an interesting
1: point, isn't it? Because we hear so often in in Western news bulletins about the influx, if you like, from the developing world into the developed world. But as you say, I think maybe did you say eighty or eighty-five percent is movement from one part of the developing world to another part of the developing world, from one country to the other.
0: So if you look at, say, the case of Uganda, for instance, I mean uh, they have refugees from Sudan, from Somalia, uh, from Cameroon, and they're, they're very progressive in their approach. So within two weeks, uh, the refugees process. They have they have the paperwork required. They can access the, uh, they can access uh, uh, pretty much all services available. So if they want to say, which is visitor,
1: fantastic when you compare the the, the 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 distress. For example, people arriving in Britain claiming refugee status, often having to wait years and suffering all sorts of indignities. I remember also reading about Lebanon, for example, that it, when the Syrian war was on, that Lebanon absorbed within their territory more than its own population of uh, people yeah, fleeing. Right.
0: We, in the Middle East, it is very much like that. So if you look at St. Jordan, I mean, we went there to visit the refugee camps um, as part of our uh, product development um, uh, phase. And um, if you look at the total refugee population, including the Palestinians, there, they're well over, uh, roughly, accountable uh, about 50% of the total population in the entire country. Mm. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so it does put a lot of pressure on them, not just for services, but also for human rights. So to the, give them uh, voting rights or these kind of things, uh, um, etc. So uh, it's not an easy situation for the host countries in, the, in that part of the world. Either.
1: I think what, one thing that I've been very impressed by and that we've tried to highlight in a few articles uh, in Adama is the, uh, the the great artistic talent that you know refugees and asylum seekers bring to their host country. Um, how they can enrich the culture of that country. Can can you talk to us a little bit about that?
0: Absolutely. If you, uh, mean, um, one of the uh, projects that we're working on is doing exactly that. So we work with students uh, from Oxford and they spend uh, one week with us uh, within which they re- research and write about an artist coming from a refugee background uh, from the last 100 years. So from 1920s to 2020s, they dig up a a um, an artist successful artist contributed to the whole society who's from a refugee background and if you look at our website you, you, we have well over 20 of them from each decade right from 1920s 30s 1940s all the way up to 2020s uh, excuse me and you'll be surprised on some of the names there so
1: yeah uh, go on if, surprise if, us.
0: <laughs> if you uh, remember the fugees the band uh, that yeah. name is a, is a spin of, um, of Refugees.
1: Ah, of course, Refugees, uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: so the founder of the band is from Haiti, Uh he, he migrated to the US uh, uh, when he was about seven, eight. And uh, as he grew up, he went, to, obviously he, he was absorbed into the US society. He took up hip hop, and he has been a very successful artist in the US. And he's tried to go back to uh, Haiti as a country uh, after his success. So it's just that's just one example. And if you yeah. want more information, you can always come to our no, website.
1: Have a look. Absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, people will be listening here. They'll be they'll be impressed to hear about all this work happening. Uh, as you mentioned, an example in Africa, an example in the UK. How how can people get involved if they feel a little bit inspired by, by what you're doing?
0: Absolutely. I uh, mean, you can sign up to our newsletter. So, if you go to our Twitter account uh, you, under arts for refugees uh, you can then sign up to our newsletter there. You can follow us on Twitter, or on Facebook. Um, SGs has its own uh, Twitter account, our Facebook account. We're also on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a company profile there. So, just get in touch with us. Uh, we great, have a great program. And, uh, if you're that committed and you want to learn more about the refugee experience, uh, you want to make a contribution, we'd be happy to organise something for you.
1: I think you do such great work to to break down the prejudice, break down the, the stereotype of the refugee as a problem for the host country. And, uh,
0: Absolutely, that's that's the key, here. and to be, from our point of view, is that these are people moving, uh, yeah. being forced to move from one place to another, and in in, it's just inhumane not yeah. to give another human being
1: support. A help. And of course, the the point is, as as you've pointed out, you know, refugees are an enrichment often to the host country because they're bringing with them skills and humanity and energy that uh, that benefit those uh, the, the country to which they travel. Yeah, absolutely right i
0: mean in something uh, uh, there's some schools of thought who say that it, i mean it propagates the brain drain from developing countries yeah. to develop countries uh I mean, regardless how you view it the point is that these are decent hard-working people who have shared initiative who have survival instincts and they can then use those uh, skills that they pick up uh, by being uh, forcibly be displaced to enrich their own lives and those around theirs. so yeah. uh, uh, on so Tuesday open our minds
1: uh, I think that's your, your that's point walking, isn't it
0: open um, our minds yeah on Tuesday I was working walking around Liverpool Street Station in London and they have a statue uh, dedicated to the kids who had to migrate in the 1930s away from Germany to the UK yeah and if you look at some of those kids what they've grown up to achieve in the UK yeah. you'll see that they've done great things for this country
1: fantastic yeah yeah Juvy, it's been fantastic talking to you. We've got a bit of a tradition on the podcast, and that is we ask our guests to leave us a recommendation—something that they've maybe read recently, or that they've seen on TV or on the internet—that uh, could get us thinking. So, uh, what do you what do you recommend for our, uh, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: for our a, entertainment I'm, over the next week or so?
0: I'm a big snowpiercer fan. A big uh, snowpiercer. It's a uh, series on Netflix. Okay. Uh, uh, it's, it's about a train, uh, the, the world, I mean, as we know it, climate change has come and, uh, there's okay. a train left with people on board and they're just, uh, going around the world and there's a lot of politics. I mean, it's, it's full of, uh, the standard social concerns being dealt mm-hmm. with. It's full of people, politics, going on power politics, all that kind right. of stuff.
1: Okay. So entertainment, yeah. but without, but without a serious point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's got some great actors as well.
1: Fantastic. Okay, well, thanks for that. Really look forward to catching up on that. And thank you for spending some time with us. If listeners want to get in touch and find out more about BizG's, then that's spelled B I Z G E E S, BizG's, then do check them out on the internet or on Twitter. And do also follow Adama with our regular selection of articles and now our new series of podcasts, The Adama Antidote. But for now, Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks to Zufi, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you, very much.
0: Thank you for listening to the Adama Antidote podcast. Subscribe to us on your preferred platform so that you don't miss our next episode. Please also leave us a review so that more people can learn about our new podcast. For now, stay tuned.